right, everybody. Happy Sunday. I'm hoping you all have been able to recuperate from Monday all the way until from Saturday. I am Geekster the Super Nerd, Nerdcore hip hop artist, and I'm also here with the Otaku crew. I'm happy to be on this episode. Interesting subject. We're talking about not just Yu Gi Oh! as a trading card game and not just Yu Gi Oh! as the anime. We're talking about Yu Gi Oh! as a franchise in general. So I'm definitely looking forward to talking with Lee and Leifan about this. Yes, hi everyone. This is Wiseman Lee from the Topic Group Podcast. So happy to do this episode today with you, Super Nerd. Thank you for reaching out to us. And I'm so excited to talk about Yu Gi Oh! Yeah, hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Leifan here from the official Otago Crew podcast. I'm also excited to be here. I'm very excited to be discussing this topic because I think it was this year or last year that uh, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! unfortunately passed away. So I've been wanting to pay homage uh, towards the creator himself. And uh, oh, this is how we rip. intend to do it. Yeah, Rip Kazuki Takahashi. That's his name, right? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. That, hit, that hit me hard, though. I I won't lie because I don't know. I just it I guess it always just made me feel some kind of way when you really just think about a person that left behind such a legacy. And really, when I really just thought about it, it wasn't so bad because just look at what he left behind. Like even now as we speak, Yu-Gi-Oh! is still going strong. They're still coming up with uh starter with starter packs for people to duel with and things like that. Oh yeah, and and Yugi and Kaiba are still hot topics when it comes to the anime community. As a matter of fact, um, this Wednesday that passed, I'm a part of the roundtable of the Blur Cartel, and we had a anime discussion talking about the dopest anime rivalries, and on that list was Yugi Moto and Seto Kaiba. A lot of stuff actually just came to my attention. One of the people in the round table said it was borderline beef between those two. And <laughs> when I thought about I mean, it, I thought about it. Pretty, pretty goes deep, yeah. Like, I don't know. Kaiba always had a <laughs> hatred of Yugi because he's the one opponent that Kaiba never, ever beat. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thinking about that, and we we brought up the discussion to where Kaiba, Kaiba cheated. And he did. He He, he cheated because he knew he was about to lose, but he stepped on the ledge and told oh, you. Oh, yeah, back then. Kidding, oh my God. <laughs> back, back when they had that, yeah, sure. And see, there was, there was no honor present. So they could tell it was borderline beef between those two. But it's like it's like you all said, Kaiba was that he could, he never could really beat Yugi. And I think it was just for they had different reasons. Like Yugi actually loved the dual mon- uh, uh, playing dual monsters. Kaiba was it was more about competition, social status, being yeah, able to satisfy his ego. Uh-huh. Exactly. But when you find somebody that that not only can they humble you, but they can continuously humble you by defeating you. That can make anybody feel some kind of way, especially when you're very arrogant like he is. Yeah, I think it's his arrogance that's his downfall anyway, because he never went. He can never see past that. But honestly, I have to say, Kaiba is one of my favorite characters from the OG Yu-Gi-Oh! Just because of mm-hmm. how he treats everyone and how he's savage. 
and he also has the best monsters, best cars. Like, well, he has a, he has a, like, he has a, he has like a uh, successful company that he runs and the global elite, like, you know, one can aspire to become like him too. Maybe minus the arrogance and prideful, uh, trade personality. Yeah. But you have to admit the biggest L he took was even he couldn't beat Yugi. It took Yugi to beat Yugi, quote unquote, at Tem at the very end of the series. So Kaiba still never like got the satisfaction <laughs> out of it. Yep, Kaiba, Kaiba didn't he did acknowledge Yugi as a true uh, pro duelist. And see, and I can see how that can be frustrating. Like it kind of puts me in the moment. I'm not trying to step off subject. The whole thing between Goku and Vegeta, and I know it's it's something that's very common, but just look at it, it's really no different. Kaiba views himself as a pro duelist, the best of the best. Same time, what makes him angry is that, like you all said, Yugi's not a professional duelist. He doesn't consider him that way, but yet that's the one person he can't defeat. Same way with Vegeta. Like, Vegeta feels like he's the only saying that, li- that really just stays true to his heritage. A warrior race, his only focus, to become strong, to be able to enjoy the thrill of battle. But yet you come across Goku, who's another pure, pure-blooded Saiyan, but he doesn't think like a Saiyan. He thinks more like a human, and he's not fighting for the glory of it. He's not fighting to be able to just show his might. He's fighting to test the limits of his abilities and because Goku just loves fighting. So for a person to think that a situation is to be one way, but then you find somebody that looks at that same situation in a different perspective, but yet it always works for him, it can be confusing and annoying at times. So I can understand why Kaiba feels that way. Yeah, no, it's an interesting comparison you bring up, for sure. I can could, I could see that there. Kaiba would be a good copy of Vegeta in terms of, like, the Yu-Gi-Oh world, for sure. But we can also, like, uh, make the point that, well, we forget this. Uh, I'm not trying to dismiss the rivalry between, um, uh, what do you call it, Pharaoh Yugi versus our boy Kaiba, but you also have to admit, Joey Wheeler is, like, the biggest runner-up in the whole Yugi, sorry, the whole Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. verse, because the man, the literally, people can cheat against this man he will still somehow win. And I know you guys know examples. You got my Valentine with the spray, banding Keith with the cards under his um his wrist things, uh Weevil Underwood putting insect cards into his deck. There's Yeah, all the he exactly. basically has all the cheaters and he pretty much like He pulls through always he, won. He always won against him because luck was always on his side. And Joey Wheeler is like the underdog, but he's the dog. Like he's, he's, he's the my goat. second favorite character. Yeah. You just root for him because he's so silly and so goofy, yet he's such a good guy and he wins most of his duels. Absolutely. And I like how you all said Luck was on the side and how he fought Weevil. It was somebody. I know it was a long time ago, but that the same look that you all are talking about is what enabled him to win the black, I mean the red eyes black dragon. Oh, from Rex. Yeah, Rex Raptor. Yeah. And I and what I like about that is just the progress he made because at one point he used to bully Yugi and it's like like a, a complete 180 complete 180 so much so to the point to where he actually went to Yugi's grandfather to learn how to duel it was so funny because Yugi's grandfather was so stern on him but it paid off though and I think that if Joey were to continue practicing and really just 
studying and understanding how deep the power of his debt goes, he could definitely progress and become a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, agreed. Like Joey Wheeler, he has potential. And he has gone through some hard, uh, hard battles too. And sometimes he won, sometimes he lost. You know, I mean, he's not the main main character, unfortunately. But like, yeah, I agree. I agree. But I'm, I'll say the one person that's a part of Yugi's circle that tried dueling, and I laughed. I'm not a bad person. It was the girl that Yugi was friends with. I Damn. forgot her name. Hell yeah. But, oh, yeah. It was, I'm not a bad person. Everybody that's listening, <laughs> I'm not a bad person. But it was so funny when she started dueling. She had these, every car she had was girly. And it talked yeah. about friendship and, and, and love and stuff like that. And all I know is, <laughs> in one part of the duel, in mid duel, she just started crying out of nowhere. Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, she's not doing it. She's more of like the cheerleader on the side. That's it. She she knows more. Uh, she knows more about dueling maybe uh, compared to Joey back in the beginning. But she never duels. She never had any practice. So when it actually came time for her to duel, of course she's gonna cave down and start crying and be like, "I need help, please." Power friendship, man. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> and then she'll talk. She. she this is the thing that had me laughing. Another time, she said she was crying. I'm like, "What's going on?" She said, "She said you're not going. You're not going to turn me from my belief in my power friendship. I believe in my friends." I'm like, "Oh my!" And I, I felt so embarrassed for her. Like, don't get me wrong. It was dope that she had that confidence, but everything is not so sad and emotional that you have to cry about it. It's not that serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I have a question for you guys. Okay. So about the so since we're talking about the OG Yu-Gi-Oh show, uh, mm-hmm. do you guys have a favorite season or a favorite arc? I would definitely have to say the arc was when Yugi finally got to fight uh, uh Pegasus for the first time. Starting and I like it. Season one, two, absolutely. So that was epic. I would say that that was one of the most epic moments in Yu-Gi-Oh history because. You're dealing with something like both char- both characters have a millennium have a millennium item. Yugi had the millennium puzzle. Pegasus had the millennium eye. So Yugi was really Yugi as well as the Pharaoh. Were de- I mean, had issues dealing with him because Pegasus could look at his at his hand without even being in front of him, seeing what yeah. cards to play. See, but Yugi had. But what was so dope is how uh, Yugi learned how to get past that. He would switch over. One day, mm. he started off as the Pharaoh, but he would switch over to Yugi. Every time he laid a card down, he would switch over. So it got to the point to where Pegasus got pissed off and <laughs> took them both to the Shadow Realm. He said, you know, screw this. You know, since you want to try and find the loopholes like, between what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it would just... I, 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 I do like that. Yeah, when they use the mind shuffle tactic to like throw Pegasus off the game. But the thing about season one is that they didn't really establish the rules. Like it was all kind of like just summon your ultimate monster out, boom, it's just there, and then start attacking your opponent and stuff. So that is one of my one of my gripes for season one. But you know, in the end, it is still enjoyable because that's when you're introduced to like all the cards and everything. I think for me, like I'd have to say that. Season two, Battle City, is probably my favorite season 
because that's when they kind of established the rules. You got to see more new cards too, and they introduced like one of the most powerful monsters in Yu-Gi-Oh history, the Egyptian God cards, right? All Blessed Tormentor, Slifer, the Sky Dragon, uh, Wing Dragon Raw. Yeah. So it was cool seeing all that, and then you had uh, a good villain, Merrick, but it's like double, you got split personality disorder. So uh, yeah, I like that art, man. I think that's probably my favorite. I liked it too. I won't lie. Oh, I and forgot. Like... I forgot. They also introduced the the dual disc system too. That was their. Uh, that's when they showed that off too. Oh, oh, dang! I'm gonna tell you too. Another thing, and why I've noticed in like in in real life with with the uh, the Yu Gi Oh trading card game, and I oh, never really they... just. Yeah, you mean when they pulled off like the the toy, like the toy, the dual the dual disc toy thing, where you can like buy your points with that? Yeah, yeah. That was the I've always wanted one of those things. I still Same. do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> we all do, I think. But one thing, I'm gonna tell you, it's a rule. I don't know. I heard, I heard it from somebody. If they're telling the truth, I'm like, dang. They said when it comes to actual Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, you are not allowed to use Egyptian god cards. And I'm like, what? And what? Then what's the point of them existing? I, that's like. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're playing. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, that's crazy. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're able to obtain any of those Egyptian guy cards, then you have every right to use them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It puts me in, and it puts me in that mindset. And this is the one thing that, that really hurt me. Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, Yugi was the only person that had all five pieces of Exodia. But yet, I don't know why. It would not. I'll, I'll say this. He didn't technically lose it. He was foolish enough to let Weevil hold those cards. Throw them off the boat. Yeah. Now, now I'm gonna tell you, Joey, Joey was, I'm not gonna lie, Joey was the real MVP because out of all five pieces, he got three. Yeah, he couldn't get them all. Even though, he literally jumped out, he literally jumped out both. Like, don't worry, you I'll save them all. Uh, Gotta respect it. That that made me feel some kind. Of, well, I'm like, dang man, but and it kind of hurt me. I'm like, dang, like I really wanted to see more of them because at that point it was like, you know, what I'm saying that was at first that was like the the introduction to the Egyptian guy cards. It was so you, to have that. Oh, huh? Sorry, sorry, I thought, uh, yeah. I thought you were done. <laughs> Oh no, when it came to like the Egyptian guy, like Exodia, I feel like he was giving me an introduction of what's to come. Like, I really truly believed it, you know, because did, like looking at that situation, you know what I'm saying, and seeing how cool they look, seeing how powerful they look, you couldn't help but just understand, just wonder and anticipate are there cars that are even more stronger than him? But then when you find out about the Egyptian guy cars, then you realize, okay, now stuff is getting real. Especially, but uh, I think Merrick was the one that knew the chant to be able to activate the ring, the winged dragon of Raw. I think so. that was him, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. And you mean to tell me, I don't know, but see, that was one of the reasons why I'm not going to say I don't like Yugi. I don't like the fact that they created these rules to where you have these amazing, powerful cards, but you can't even use them. Yeah, I see. I see your point for sure. Yeah, there's that downfall. Like, at least in uh, I don't know, Leifan, you still play Yu-Gi-Oh, but like in the real, like in tournaments nowadays, you still can use Egyptian God cards, right? 
not to my knowledge yeah. um at least uh i don't recall that rule being being put in place but a lot of people don't use it because it takes a lot of resources to a bring bring them out most of the time like you'll get the best you'll get is raw sphere mode because you can't really run over that the rest but, um, but there's, there's, there's nowadays like at least with the new game mechanics with the new cards and everything you could still swarm the field so i don't think oh, yeah. it should be a, back then it may, may have been hard to use or summon them out but now it's like you can swarm the field with monsters and everything and you could easily summon them out i think but, well that's uh, the that's the problem with today's uh, mechanic i'm not trying to diss on it or anything but it's legitimate to say that unless the card can be searched out by some way aside from i think raw got a more support recently the other two they all got they all got support now okay but basically yeah so but here's the thing you're not going to randomly throw in obelisk a tormentor into your deck unless you have a means to search them out because it's all about the speed at this point first person brings out is like okay that's it yeah i agree yeah what about you lefon did you have a favorite uh, season arc Ooh, I, I really, I really enjoyed the, what is it, the Oracalco saga. That one I enjoyed because we actually saw Lu- Yugi lose that oh, against Raphael. Yeah. And uh, once yeah, again, yeah, not was... Kaiba. It's not Kaiba still. I still find that funny. <laughs> but yeah. we got to see him at his lowest and uh, the recovery from that. So, and it, it was just nice to see a different type of lore being mixed in. So I personally enjoyed that. Yeah, because it was like it was like bringing Atlantis lore into the, what we know with the Egyptian lore and exactly. Even, you know, Yugi, Yugi, yeah, the gang had a hard time against those opponents because they were using the seal of Oracles, powerful card, powerful magic. They were going against, oh. so yeah, definitely amazing. I, I gotta say though, I think the last season though with Bukura being the big bad guy and everything, probably not my probably my least favorite. I don't know about you guys, but. In the end, they was there is no actual duel happening. They pretty much go to the past, <laughs> discover the origins of duel monsters and Egyptian lore and how the Millennium Eyes came to be. So that was it. That's the last season. Ah, you see, I'm gonna tell you though. Now, even though I've seen most of Yugi, I never saw how it is. Yugi had to beat Yugi by saw the last movie, to where they tried to get all the pieces of the Millennium Puzzle. And bring back the Pharaoh. Well, what I liked about it is the Pharaoh came back one last time at the movie and saved the day and left. He had like his oh, fist in the air. Yeah, yeah. That was an emotional moment. It really just, that movie showed how petty Kaiba is. You got to create an alternate universe, a cyber universe, to where you can actually practice to fight somebody that you may never get the chance to fight. Man's got money. Let's just be honest. Man's got money. He got money to burn for sure. Yeah. No, but you're right because he is his his like revenge against Yuki goes so strong. He had to recreate the Millennium Puzzle in order to bring the Pharaoh back. He's like, yo, man. He's like, I cannot go down the history without beating you. <laughs> he stay consistent. I can give him that much. Yeah, yeah. Ah, but one thing I can definitely say, my favorite card. I'll say my favorite spell card would definitely have to be a change of heart. Or is that a trap room? No, that's a spell. No, yeah, that's a spell. That's, I, that's a spell I see you, man. I love it. And the reason why is because I forgot the boy's name. I think I think you want to see the right, the split personality. Yeah, but it was Yeah. He had um the person that that was uh, trapped inside of his millennium, you know, item 
used to be a thief. So that spell card change of heart actually fit him perfectly, you know. And I liked how it is. There were that um throughout the series of Yu-Gi-Oh, there have been characters that came out that actually had cards that symbolized and reflected the the person they were, the philosophies they had, their outlook on life, all of those things. I I love that about some of those people. Um, Bakura was one was one of them. Uh, it was just so many. It was. I'm trying to figure out, and perhaps you all can explain it to me. Who decided that a season of Yu-Gi-Oh should involve them riding around a lap in a motorcycle? Throwing out cars. I'm trying to understand what we're uh, well, well, I can actually elaborate uh, a bit on that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so please do, please yeah. do. Uh, no problem. So, um, thing is, the first three series of Yu-Gi-Oh are canon. So the original GX and Five Ds, those are all canon. Anything that comes after that is an all alternate timeline. This has been this has been confirmed multiple times. Now, oh, yeah. So, um, what was it? Uh, Zexel, Arc Five, Vrain, whatever, the, whatever they are, those are not part of the traditional um, canon, so they don't build off of anything really. Now, Five Ds is actually the ultimate ending of Dual Monsters because the show is like, oh, what was it that the Kaiba Tech Corporation expanded so much that they wanted to like elevate, um, what is it? Uh, the, the game they yeah exactly the game. sort of like what he did in battle city like they fought they were do they were dueling on top of a giant blimp they were like okay let's take that a little further not not exactly yet, oh, so if you but, think about it, it's kind of like the x games but for Yu-Gi-Oh, like dual monsters pretty much Interesting. I'm, huh. I'm not saying that was the only reason there's multiple but that's the biggest link i i noticed like okay this is such a kaiba thing is like how can I take dual monsters a step further? To a whole new Racing. level. Yeah, so it's true. You're, you're dueling on top of the blend, the Colosseum. Yeah, yeah. And then so you elevated more with like high speed, like motor, motorbike races and stuff like that. That became one of the but, big uh, ones. Yeah. I have a question though. Was Kaiba Corp ever mentioned in the other Yu-Gi-Oh! series outside the canon? Uh, no. Because I think, I think, so that's it. I think Kaiba Corp is the only link that links 5D, GX, and Yu-Gi-Oh! The original series all together because of Kyber Corp, right? Pretty much, right? Yeah, I never, I never watched uh, the. Well, I watched GX and I watched a bit of Five D, but I never saw any of the other series. Like I kind of just gave up afterwards because, like, yeah, I don't know, it just wasn't that interesting to me. Yeah, I'm gonna say, and 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 it just after Five Ds, I just stopped watching it because when I saw the part where they were riding on that motorcycle, I'm like. The heck is this <laughs> so so i i'm not a bad person i just like the og Yu-Gi-Oh to where the plot remained the same and i really wish i think it would have been better if it stuck with yugi just him growing up and things like that getting older mm -hmm. okay yeah. that would have been that would have been doper you know i understand they want to just you know draw in a different crowd a different generation and things like that but sometimes it pays to not fix something that's not broken i agree yeah i mean i, I wouldn't mind seeing like continuation of you being his friends and their journey but i think from where it ended with attempt moving on to the afterlife and the millennium uh items disappearing and you know 
peace came to earth, you know. So that's why I'm like, I think it was a good ending for the original show. So I didn't mind seeing like the other characters, a different generation, like you say, for what 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 uh, trials and what journey they would have to go on. So I mean, that was pretty dope. But I yeah, have to admit, yeah. I have to admit, the cards, the new game mechanics, the new cards that were introduced uh, later in the series, some I liked, some I didn't like. So, for example, in 5Ds, we got introduced to Synchro Monsters, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty easy to understand, kind of, because it's a, it's a new, like, uh, what do I say, it's a new card, right? New game mechanics, so you just have to summon out with, like, a tuner and non-tuners and just match up the levels. Pretty easy to understand. Right. Then they introduced in the next series, I think it was Dexel where they introduced XYZ, right? Yep. XZ's monster. So that's like the black card. And that was pretty easy to understand. That's like okay, so if you want to, they're not they're not like level monsters anymore, they're ranked. So they would say like, Oh, if you want to summon a four rank monster, the prerequisite might be like you need to get two level four monsters and just overlay, just put them on top and then summon the monster. It's kinda of like equipped, like they're equipped. Monsters getting equipped to other monsters, so whatever. But then the the other cards that came afterwards, Pendulum and Link monsters, I do not understand anything of that. And I remember, and I asked Leifon multiple times to explain to me how do you summon Pendulum and Link monsters, and I still, till this day, I still do not understand how. That's because you don't listen. That's different. No, I listen, but like it's so complicated because Pendulum is like half half spell card, half monster, which I find that I need to be so dumb and ridiculous. Dang. Yeah, do you know about that, Dixon? No, that that's my first time. I know that there are some there are some monster cards that can actually um be created through spell cards, but for a monster card to be a spell card too, it's gotta be complicated how to use it. It's got to be you, know, you can ask you can ask Lake on all about it. He'd be glad to explain to you. But do you know about the XYZ and the Synchro monsters from uh like you've seen them before? I've seen them, it's just it, it, Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh has gotten so technical over the years. Yeah, so yeah it's gotten so complicated that now I, I'm losing track of what, what monster does what and what system and mechanics. Like for you, I guess if you ever do play, you'd probably just stick to the OG card thing. You're not, you're not into that new card shit. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, the simplest thing, Palmer, they should have just stuck with Palmerization. I feel like that, that would have been... Yeah, because it is simple. Take a monster, take two monsters, fuse them. You got to synchro summon these monsters or synchro fuse them and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I'm like, huh? So I kind of started, like, I had to take a break from it. I literally had to take a break from 5D. I'm like, I... Okay. No, yeah, that's the thing, like... And like for me, it wasn't that hard to understand. But like you said, the more new cards that come out, the more complicated summoning mechanics and how they work. It's just, it's so convoluted. I find that's it. it yeah, like like you said, stick with ritual ritual monsters and fusion monsters, and that's pretty good. Like I mean, I remember GX and introducing a new cards like that. Yeah, something as simple as I say, um, okay, you want to be able to pull off a final move. Okay, I sacrifice. Four of my monsters on the field to summon this card. Okay, by you attacking my monster, you activated my trap card, such and such. Mm-hmm. I feel like even, but then they, they got it to where you got to sacrifice this monster to activate this spell card to bring this monster to life, which will trigger this trap card. 
which will hit what which will enable you to have to draw four cards from your dick. I'm like, huh? It's like it's like overextended combos you're just doing, which yeah. yeah. And then the and then the other point is with waiting for you to finish this move, you're like, okay, I get it. You're doing like ten combos already just to just to swarm your fuel, and you're like, oh my goodness. Exactly, be so so frustrated. I'm like, dang man, you when you really just look at it, you didn't put five or six moves into one move. I'm like, I'm like, dang. <laughs> and I be looking, I'm like, bro, it's supposed to be one move. It is cool if you do two or two or three things, but then you you keep going by one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. I'm like, bro, you know what? You win. I'm just saying there's people who be um like in tournaments, what I've seen, it's really bad etiquette, but it's not unheard of that the f- person who goes first or oh, sorry, sorry, not not that at the very end, like because the, these duels are timed now because they can't have duels drawing out for hours on end. So say if it's a 20 minute duel, the person last with the highest life points, they're not even going to try to end their turn. They'll just wait. They'll be like, oh, maybe I'll do this. This is where it's come to. That's very unfortunate. That's sad. And I always thought that games like Yu-Gi-Oh! or Duel Monsters with like chess is something you you don't rush because there's a strategy when it comes to every move. And you can't rush strategy. You just can't. You'll crash and burn every time. That's why don't play uh don't play competitive at your locals. <laughs> just just play with your friends and they'll 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 be okay with you doing taking hours to do a turn. Exactly, exactly. And I've seen, I've actually, I think um, one time there was a, uh, no, I know, I remember. I was actually in Virginia and there was the, uh, a professional tournament going on. And the person was taking this time, and I will never forget this. He was like, oh, the, the, uh, the opponent was like, quit pushing the draw card. So he got disqualified. He said, you're not supposed to cuss out. The uh, cuss out your opponent. So what was so funny about it? He got mad. He walked. Up, he walked away, and he tried to punch the announcer. Next oh, thing man. you know, it was crazy. He didn't know the the announcer could fight. When he tried to throw that lick, he grabbed his wrist, put it behind his back, and kept squeezing his wrist. Nice. <laughs> Damn, that's an angry duelist right there. He was. He said. He said, "Why are you hurting me?" It's his fault. It was. It was. It was too much. It was funny though. I bet I never did it again. It's sad though because, like, like you said, Geekster, the game should be something you sh- you can enjoy and have a good time with. And I get it. There's a pressure when you're playing like com- on the competitive scene. But why? Why would you lose your temper over this? I've seen it happen at locals too. Some guy just lost his stuff at locals and started screaming at his uh, opponent saying, oh, you cheated, blah, 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 blah. He didn't even try to calm down and discuss it. No, he was screaming. And to the, po- to the point Ooh. now, he's been banned from all the stores here in our city because well, they all just, they all sort of know each other. So, Ooh. yeah, it's like, you did that to yourself, man. There's a choice to make at the end of the day. Like, either go in, have fun, because you go... Growing up with the my uh, wise man's the one who introduced me to it. It was like all those original cards and those old yellow slightly cards where you just read the text. It didn't make much sense, but look cool. And it was sure just been fun and games at the end. But unfortunately, it's become something else—a very toxic community. And the community People is very toxic. Seriously, man. Yeah, 
yeah. They will literally shit on you. I'm lack of better words. They'll say, "Oh, your deck is trash, man. Oh, you should be playing this." Ugh, it's it's just very bad. It is. I had a golem dick, and they were like, and they a lot of people laugh. They laugh because they thought that golems were weaker. They were too complicated uh, to use. But see, at the same time, it's no different than chess. You have to take that time to un. Well, the same way you have to take out that time and understand how every piece of the um how every piece in that board works, you really have to take that same energy and understand how to play each card. Because there's no there's no just one way to play a card. When you have a whole deck filled with different monsters, different spell cards, different trap cards. It's a vast amount of combinations to be able to introduce each monster, each spell card, each trap card. But you have to be willing to take out that time and figure it out. That's pretty much it. And uh, a lot of people don't do that as much anymore, like, uh, unfortunately, because very often you're going to see people playing the same deck. And it's always the same strategy being recycled over and over. Um, it's not like in Yu-Gi-Oh, like each person you meet has like their own signature deck. That would have been very fun. But very often or not, the biggest, best deck comes out. People buy the cards, blah, 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 spend hundreds of not more building it. They play, uh, they play uh, the competitive scene. Uh, once again, I just keep going back to the competitive scene. I have nothing against it. It's just... Is very um, boring at this point because everyone's just playing the same thing. It's like, oh, I already lost to this guy playing that deck. Is it? Oh, it's the same. It's another guy playing the same exact deck. Wow. Yeah. But um, yes. yeah. But at the same time, like what I think uh, is that I don't have the right to judge people what they're gonna play. They're they're in it to win it type of deal. For me, I'm just there. I'm just there to have a good time and show like, hey, there's this deck, but here's what it can actually do if I modified it a certain way. Like you said, Geekster, it's about the it's about the strategy in the long game. If you know how it works, you're gonna have a fun time with it, regardless if you win or lose. Yep, yep, yep. And that that's all it is. And I've seen, and I think the one thing that that Konami, that Konami did that really just um oh yeah and, and and fun fact for everybody that doesn't know konami is not only are not only the company that made Yu-Gi-Oh, but they also made the castlevania series i want to um just put that out there i think the thing that they messed up is selling each main character's dick they came out with yugi's full dick they came out with kaiba's full dick i think they came out with weevil's full dick so now I understand it was a good marketing strategy, but I felt like now it made the competition even worse because now you got people talking about, yeah, you got this dick, but I bet I can use it better, better than you. You got a yeah. whole city filled with people. I remember when, when that first came out, I had about 10 people in my class that had Yugi's dick. Had five people in another classroom and Kaiba's dick. And it was so crazy it was and i'm like it's nothing wrong with switching it up getting different decks and picking the cards that you like personally and compiling your own personal deck that you could be able to work with a lot of people don't believe in that from, from what i'm seeing no actually it actually reminds me of her early on when the first starter decks came out it was i think it was yugi kaiba and uh joey, joey yeah then uh, pegasus, pegasus, too, pegasus yes thank you yeah. I remember like quite a few people 
like in class this is elementary i'm talking about so oh, it's a long time ago they were like oh i got the yugi deck oh i got i got this deck it was kind of this kind of that but not a lot of people went for the underrated joey or pegasus they were like no it's about yugi and kind blah, blah blah your opinion doesn't matter blah blah, blah. and i was like i like my joey deck I, <laughs> I don't blame you i i really don't and I would say the only card I, the only cards I, I really just wanted. I always wanted Summon Skull. I always wanted a Blue Eyes White Dragon. And I always wanted the Black Luster Soldier. Always wanted those cards. Well, there's so many copies of them in the market now, man. So you can, you can literally get them for literally less than 10 cents, depending which rarity you go for. As a matter of fact, I think they might, uh nerdvana they might have some of uh, some Yu-Gi-Oh cards i can be able to do that yeah you can totally go to your store here and there ask for singles and all that good stuff but while we're on the topic of nostalgia like um how i'm i'm sure that you were pretty stoked when the first Yu-Gi-Oh movie was announced remember the pyramid of light when it was first coming and then it hit theaters yeah. and all that that was i was blown away not just because the art style and everything it was like the old soundtrack the dubbing and everything Oh, I still I still get like the shivers from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it is like something good reaching a whole new pinnacle of greatness. Cause I felt that I felt that way about it when I first. I'm like, dang. And this this was during an era to where the like the only three the other two shows that were similar to Yu-Gi-Oh was Digimon and Pokemon. So for us to be blessed with the first Pokemon movie, then the first Digimon movie, and then Yu-Gi-Oh coming out with that. I promise you, it was an exciting era during that time. Oh, it was. Because all three of those shows were going strong. Oh, yeah. No, no doubts yeah, about I think that. it's when the popularity of the show is so high. That's when studios are like, all right, so in order to bank on that, we could start releasing uh, movies worldwide in theaters. Absolutely. And it was a good marketing strategy, too, because there are, uh, there are still people that look for those movies, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, so on the topic of the cards, you guys talked about a bunch of cards. Uh, so what are, your, like, what are your favorite cards? Like for you, Geekster, you said Change of Heart was your favorite card, but what about you, Rayquan? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. You'll have to come back to me. I, I need to think. Uh... <laughs> okay, okay. I think, uh, I don't know if you know this, Geekster, but I think one of the dopest cards I've seen it's a fusion monster between Dark Magician and Red Eyes Black Dragon. I think Leifon, you know the name. You know what they I'm did. About, right? Was they, it? They, they yeah. Did oh wait. Yeah, there's a fusion monster of those two. Was it Red Eyes? Like, yeah. Red Eyes Black Dragon and Dark Magician. It? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it's it's Dragoon. I think, but I don't know if it's Red Eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is Red Eyes specific. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Dragon. Yeah, that card. That card is so broken, man. Like it's. It has so many special abilities that it's like it's it's a hard it's a hard card to like kill. Come on. And I'm gonna tell you, and, and and when if you're looking at it from like a medieval perspective, that thing is pretty much invincible if you think about it, because it has magic, but yet dragons are impervious to magic. So I can imagine the damage it can take and also dish out as well. Well, I forgot what the special abilities are. Do you remember the name they call it? The Red Eyes Dragoon, like you said? Uh, you could just write Dark Magician Dragoon something. 
and I'm sure you figured <laughs> yeah. it out. It's been I a think, while. I think, it's, I think it's like one of my favorite cool looking cards I've ever seen because I'm like, oh my god, they actually did a Fusion Monster of these two, like the staple card of Joey's and Yugi's combined together, and it's a pretty strong card. Do you guys have any cards that you think that are kind of like OP or too overrated? Like, like the Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon. I would have to say that one. Well, I, I mean, mean he's just he's just a he's just a he's just a big monster with stronger attack, but he has no special abilities, no special effects. Oh wait, Geekster, you know about the Blue Eyes Chaos Max Dragon? I've heard about him a oh, couple of times. I thought awful. that was just a myth. No, I thought that he, was a uh, yeah. He was in the he was in the Dark Side Dimension movies too. And, oh, this ain't. Yeah, and he's annoying to get rid of. There's ways. How so? What what, is, what does it take uh, to get him out the game? Like to 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 defeat it? Yeah. No, yeah. Either you Ooh, you're gonna need something a lot stronger than him, or somehow get it to defense mode and run over it, or banish it without targeting it. Yeah, because yeah, unfortunately, you cannot be destroyed by card effect, and you cannot target that monster. So, and he's a four thousand attack point monster. Like, yeah, he's a he's pretty strong that monster, and he's a ritual monster. So you can see your ritual spell card summon it and everything. So that was. First, it's just in the movie, I remember, Dark Side Dimension. Yeah. That's wild, though. Yeah. That's, that's definitely wild. And I didn't know that. I, I thought at this point somebody would have came up with the idea to fuse the blue-eyes white dragon and a red-eyes black dragon by now. No. <laughs> we never yeah, know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be dope, That would have been a dope, could-be polymerization card. Would have been most definitely. Yeah, and there's so many like spell cards to help fuse monsters too now. You don't have to just rely on polymerization. I don't know if you know of them, but there's so many now out there. That, yeah. Oh no, I didn't know. I thought polymerization was the only one. I know they have this synchro summon stuff, but besides that, no, that was the only only card I knew of. No, there's some no, monsters there's so that many. do like a contact fusion type thing. You get two of them on the field, they just fuse like that because it's their ability to do so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. This thing. I didn't know that. I promise you I didn't. Oh, you know. I might actually get back into it, though. I might actually uh, pull out my old dick, a dick and just start practicing, though. By all, okay. by all means, uh, we shouldn't, by no means is this episode trying to discourage people from uh, going back to the game. Like, if you want, by all, by all means. But I would just say, just do it for the fun of it with your friends. And for the culture, exactly, and the culture. Even though it's so, it's always a, an adapting culture for sure. But it's just never going to be the same, you know, as it used to be. Because we grew up with it, we saw it go from X Y Z. Same thing with any other shows we grew up with. We saw an an end finally reached. Absolutely, and that thing is just just because something ends doesn't mean it's the end of the in the end of the world and stuff like. I'm seeing it's a lot of anime and a lot of cartoons I've watched. But I guess as you get older, you you begin to understand that the reason these shows have ended is because they've already left the blueprint. It already left it left this mark on the world and things like that. You know, I would say when it came to Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that. Even though, you know, the anime is not what it used to be, and even though the trading card game is still going kind of strong, even though it has like a a cult fan base, I feel like the 
the culture, the everything that it was built on, just you know, being strategic and having fun with it. I think that will always be the foundation that will always keep keep you know you know keep people coming back. Be a situation to where you know I can have a child and they hear about Yu-Gi-Oh, and I can say, well, hey, this used to be used to be a cartoon too. Oh, really? I can turn on the TV or pull out my uh my collection of the whole series and then they could become a fan of it and that could be something that could definitely be passed down you know and i think that's what the creator of yugi or yugioh had you know i think that was his intention for it for something to still be yeah, here I mean, he built a legacy behind he left that behind so like for sure like there'll be more generations to come who get introduced to yugioh and keep continue playing the game and stuff I agree. I agree. You know, and I'm not, I won't even lie. Hearing you all talk about it, I got an idea for an album and I want to dedicate it to one of the most, I would definitely say the most powerful um, spell cards. I want to do a mixed, I want to do an album for the spell cartoon world. Oh, yeah. You're into cartoons. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's so many things. I can build off of when it comes to making a project like that. And then using not just Yu-Gi-Oh references, but references from cartoons that we all grew up watching. Um, maybe not the new ones, unless they have like the same potential and the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of Toon Monster they did release. You probably don't know. They have Toon Dark Magician, Toon Dark Magician Ooh. Girl. Absolutely. The, the Blue-Eyes Toon Dragon, I remember that. Yeah, I had that. Um, there's Toon Black Ops Soldier, I think, also. Like, there's a bunch of Toon Monsters. I definitely have to dig dig deep, because I remember, but I know it's a lot more I can do for a project like that. I can actually work on work on that later on today. Cool, man. I look forward to that. Whenever you drop that single or album, I want to listen to it, too. But it will, I'm, I'll, I'll definitely have to say one thing that I noticed, and maybe I overlooked it, but were all of the Millennium pieces, autumn or autumn Millennium items, were they all discussed? Because I know it was a whole bunch of them. Um, but were they all discussed in Yu-Gi-Oh! Or were there still some that the show didn't touch bases on? At most, I think they just glazed over some yeah, items. Like pretty, again, they... pretty much, yeah. Like they discussed a majority of them, but the scales I didn't really understand. But I I won't mm -hmm. I won't lose any sleep over it. Yeah, and I feel like that could definitely be a, a branch off for Yu-Gi-Oh. It could be a situation to where there's somebody else that has a Millennium puzzle, a, a Millennium piece, and they un and they discover how the abilities work, and then that's how that journey begins as well. I was I maybe maybe not any new monsters, maybe just like a combination of the old and the new in perfect harmony. I think that would definitely be something that will bring in a, a, a new younger generation of Yu-Gi-Oh fans. But I'll definitely have, I, I mean, I, we'll just have to see though, but um, things are still going good with that, like with the trading card game and stuff like that. I'm just proud of it, you know, and those, and that was actually one of the shows I really just grew up watching, you know, and what's funny is that Yu-Gi-Oh was the game that inspired me to learn how to play chess. Yeah, so shoot, yeah, stuff like that. Encouraging people to try different things and look at stuff in a different way. 
Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy about it, though. Hey, Geekster, I think we're running out of time for this episode, so I believe it's best to wrap it up. Now, I appreciate that we were able to do this collab and discuss the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe from its conception at Yu-Gi-Oh! Zero, or the anime, very specifically at uh, Duel's Kingdom, up until the creator's death and everything that came in between the movies that came and the different sagas that came. And so it was very, um, how do I say, reminiscent of our childhood so to say i'm sure wise man would agree with me on that and so i want to thank everyone who's was able to listen to this episode and uh, look forward to more uh, content coming out uh, either with geeks or the super nerd himself or any other content creators i really appreciate uh, this opportunity that we were given and i had a great time overall so my name is Leighton Gunn, and we'll see you all next time Peace.